Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'd like to teach for a few moments today. There must be two trees. There must be two trees. Pastor, would you pray for us today? Give the Lord some praise before we're seated. Hallelujah. Okay, I will use this then. That's fine. You can. Thank you, brother. God bless you as you're seated. Why, why, oh why, were there two trees? Now, the, the story of Genesis, a lot of times we... We focus on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but a lot of times we forget there was a, another very important and special tree in the Garden of Eden. It was the tree of life. Now, we don't know much about the tree of life. Perhaps it was something that gave Adam and Eve uh, and was intended to give the human race immortality. Perhaps it had healing properties. We really don't know, but the fact was it was given to them and it was special above all of the other trees. And there was another tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sometimes people mistake it, mistakenly call it the tree of good and evil. It was not the tree of good and evil. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, Adam and Eve possessed something that mankind has lost and only children uh, can truly possess, and that is innocence. God created man so that he could have someone to love, and so that he could have someone to love him in return. Now, the only way we can truly love anyone, and the only way we can truly love God, is to have free will. There are many, uh, many uh, philosophers who have a lot to say about free will. Do we truly have free will? Some believe that the only real truth is causality. We only choose a certain thing because of uh, causality, whether it's emotional causality, circumstantial causality, and, and we can get into that, but the truth is we have free will. We can choose to do A, B, C, or none of the above. And the only way, God knows that the only way we can truly desire to love Him is if we also have the option to not love Him. So He put in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that mankind could have the option to turn away from Him. Now God knows the end from the beginning. And sometimes I kind of get my brain mixed up. You know, why was this God's original plan? Did He, did he intend for man to fall? He certainly knew man was going to fall. What was it exactly that He wanted from the beginning? And why did He create things the way that He did? Well, when we get to heaven, I'll have a lot of questions to ask Him. But the fact remains that God wanted mankind to have a choice. You can either do right or you can do wrong. And so 
Free will is necessary. God gave man that choice. And many, many people don't understand this, this concept and don't understand the, the story of, uh, of, of Eden and the fall of man. So they say, that doesn't make sense to me. Therefore, I don't agree with it. Therefore, I don't believe it. And a lot of people say that about God. I don't understand the concept of God. I don't understand what, God, what the Bible says. I don't agree with it. It doesn't make sense. Therefore, I don't believe it. Not understanding something, not grasping something, is not evidence against this, its existence, okay? A puppy cannot understand advanced calculus. It can't. You can talk to it. You can show it pictures. You can demonstrate it all you want, but it will never understand advanced calculus. That doesn't mean that advanced calculus doesn't exist. There are many things that our minds cannot understand. That We cannot fit the concept of an eternal God not having a beginning working outside of time and space and matter. That doesn't fit in our mind, in our little three-pound brain, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So this story really happened. There was a Garden of Eden. There was a fall. Man fell when he chose to do evil. And so what we get from this, one of the many things that we get from this, is that our spirit is ever at war with our flesh. Throughout history, we have seen people choose to do good, choose to do evil. There are many who do evil in the, in the name of religion. There are many people who do evil in the name of atheism. There are many people who do evil in their own name. And all of them have a choice. All of them have a choice to make whether to do right, to do wrong, whether to acknowledge God as being the supreme being, and whether or not to do evil. Our spirit is ever at war with our flesh. Can I get an amen? <laughs> that is just the way it is. We will always struggle in this life. Galatians 5.17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. There is a war going on inside of us. There are things that we want. There are things that we don't want. There are things that we crave. There are things that we need. Some of those things are not good things. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Now that is a good scripture to uh, explain the concept of addiction for one thing. Because addiction is, and I'm, I'm not just going to talk about that, but addiction is a very, very powerful thing. Now, there is a, a broad spectrum of addiction. A lot of experts only use the term addiction for when one's life is completely given over to it and they will want whatever they're craving above all else. They will neglect their families, their children, their job, everything in order to get that fix that they are addicted to and then there are addictions that are habits some people go uh, a few days without doing or uh, having a certain thing or a few even a few weeks a few months sometimes even a couple years and then they'll come back to that and some experts say that that's not addiction but it, it really doesn't matter because the point is is that there is a war going on inside of us and the bible acknowledges that there are things that we should not have there are things that we should should not do, but we just do them anyway. We will never win this fight without, on our own, without walking in the Spirit. That is just a fact. 
uh, we can either choose to walk in the flesh or we can choose to walk in the Spirit. And there are certain things that we must do in order to walk in the Spirit. The fact that you are struggling. I, I see so many of my brothers and sisters talk about how they're struggling, how they're having a problem with, with a particular thing, and, and they go a long time doing well, and then they fall on their face again. And what a lot of times they say to themselves is, I, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm losing. I am losing this battle because I am still struggling. I'm still fighting. I'm going to church. I'm trying to do the things that, it, that, that are important for me to do, but I'm, I'm still struggling. The fact that you are struggling does not mean that you are losing. It simply means there is a war going on inside of you, and as long as you are fighting, you are winning. You are winning. I know how, I, 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 and I, my heart really goes out to people that struggle with addiction. Uh, the late comedian Richard Pryor, at the height of his cocaine use, he, he said he would sit down and just watch his hands. He said, I would just watch my hands, almost of their own accord, prepare a line of cocaine before I, before I would use, and there was absolutely nothing I could do to stop that. And the truth is, he was absolutely right. There was nothing he could do to stop it. And there is nothing that we can do in ourselves of, of, and of our own accord to stop certain things from going on. But that doesn't mean that we are losing. The Bible does not say to resist the emotion of, uh, of addiction or, or of uh, temptation. If temptation, if we describe temptation as just an emotion, as just an urge, the Bible doesn't say to resist that. What it does say is to resist evil. It does say to resist the devil. It does say to resist the action. So temptation, we can say, is not just, um, not just the feeling that we have, not just the desires that we have, but it's the entire circumstances as a whole. It's the situation that we're in that is presented to, uh, that is presented to us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Whatever you're struggling with. Somebody else has struggled with it. Now, we can say that other people have fallen to it, but other people have also overcome it. People that are no stronger than you are. No temptation uh, such as common demand. But God is faithful who will not suffer or who will not allow you to be tempted above that ye are able. If you are a child of God, whatever you're tempted with, God will not let you face a temptation that is above your ability, but will with the temptation also make what? A way to escape. A practical way to get out of that situation that you may be able to, listen to this, bear it. Bear it. He didn't say you're always going to get rid of those feelings. He didn't say you're always going to just fight against the urge. And I, I, I won't go back into it, but I talked to a, a couple months ago about uh, emotions and, and how we, uh, we really shouldn't fight against our emotions. The Bible does not say to fight against the emotion, the urge. It doesn't say to try to tamp it down because we will lose that battle almost every single time because what happens? Urge just gets stronger. <laughs> you know, we say, I'm not going to do it. I, you know, willpower, you know, self-control. I'm not going to do it. And what is happening that entire time? That emotion says, no, 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 no. I'm going to get bigger. I'm going to get stronger. So what does the Bible say that we can do with that emotion? It says we can what? We can bear it. 
We can handle it. Through the power of the Spirit, through God's grace and His mercy, whenever that feeling comes along that we want to do that same stupid thing that we seem to fall for over and over again, we can handle that feeling. Now, now I, I, I admire uh, a lot of recovery services and a lot of the things that they teach. They do a lot of good work. I'm not, uh, I, I don't condemn what they do. A lot of them are, are very biblically uh, based and what some of them say is let that feeling become your buddy well I don't know if I'd go so far as to say let it become your buddy because the point is we want to get to a place where we no longer struggle with certain things and after we stop struggling one thing what's going to happen we're going to find something else to struggle with after that but that just means that we're moving on in the Lord he will make a way of escape so that we can bear it so that we can deal with it Here's what God can work with. I'm struggling and I need help. I I don't know how to handle this. I want to live for Jesus, but I'm having a hard time with this. This same emotion, the same thought, the same action, the same thing I say, the same thing I do. I'm having a hard time with it. I don't don't know what to do about it. It, it It just seems to come and I just can't get rid of it. God can work with that. God can handle you when you are like that. But here's what God cannot work with. I'm always going to be this way, so why try? Revelation 3, 15 through 16. I know thy works. Thou art neither hot, thou art neither cold nor hot. I work that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, to understand this first, we need to uh, know a little more about Laodicea, which was the church he was referring to. Laodicea was situated uh, about five miles from uh, the uh, city of Hierapolis. And Hierapolis was, uh, was built on a plateau, and it had natural springs. It had natural medicinal hot springs. And people in the ancient world... Uh, as we do today, they would use those hot springs. They were good. They were medicinally good. They were good for the body. And they, these springs came directly out of the earth. Now, on the other hand, on the other side of, of Laodicea was the city of Coloss. And it was about 10 miles away from Laodicea. And it had another spring. However, this spring was a cold spring. And that water was very good for drinking. And when water is very hot or is very cold, here's what doesn't happen. There is very little to no bacterial growth in the water. But being lukewarm means that we have become neutral. That we, just like a glass of water sitting out in the open, we become transformed by the ambient environment and have no source of energy to affect or change our current state. Whenever we say, I'm just the way that I am. I, this is just the way that I'm going to be. I, I, I accept that and, and I'm just going to move on. We have become lukewarm and God cannot do anything with that. But when we decide, decide, that's the key word. When we decide, when we choose, when we exercise our free will and say, God, I don't know how to handle this, but I need your help. God says, I can work with that. I can help you with that. Did you fall yesterday? Yes, I did. Did you fall the day before that? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Did you fall the day before 
that? Yes, I did. It doesn't always have to be that way. We don't always have to keep sinning over and over again and being overcome with this thing over and over again. Are we always going to get it right? Absolutely not. We're not always going to uh, make the right decisions because that is just a state that we're falling in. Now, that much we can accept. We can accept the fact that we are fallen and we are human and we're always going to make mistakes. But we all, what we also must accept is that we are going to continue to rise up. Every time we fall, every time I go down, I will get back up. Every time I may wallow in self-pity for a little while, but I am going to get back up. I am going to make this right. I hurt somebody's feelings. I'm, 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 going, I'm, I'm going to make it right with that person. I lost my temper again. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to try to do what it is I need to do. We must take deliberate steps in walking in the Spirit and winning the struggle. James uh, 2.17, very familiar uh, verse. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, being alone is dead. Faith without works is dead. We are not saved by our works. I understand that. And, and I, hear, I, I hear a lot of talk, a lot of times people, say, people accuse us. They say, you think you're saved by works or you, you, you think that your works are going to take you to heaven. No, we do not, do not believe that. This action right here, the turning of my wrist, is not the cause for a car to crank. But it will never crank unless I do this. All I'm doing is simply making a connection between the battery and the engine, and all those little mechanical parts to begin to work. So works do not save us. But if I don't do this, my car will never crank. Works don't save us, but a lack of works will condemn us. We will not get to heaven by doing nothing. We will not get to heaven by taking a lackadaisical approach and not doing practical things in order to... Uh, in order to hear the father say well done and so there are some things that we have to do and you think I'm, I'm struggling so what is it that I need to do what steps do I need to take well the Bible gives us some very specific instructions some of them are maybe relatively easy some of them relatively enjoyable some of them can be challenging the Bible says to take up our cross the cross is heavy sometimes okay so the first thing, obviously, we need is daily prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Obviously, that doesn't mean pray every single moment of the day, because if I stop praying, I've, I've ceased praying. No, that's not what that means. Are we praying every day? Are we talking to God every day? Are we communicating with Him every day? What does the Bible say? In the, what did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread there is something that we have to get from God every single day and Ephesians six eighteen, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit church pray in the spirit pray to you talk in tongues I, I'm not and now I if, if you could pray to you talk in tongues every single day do it but pray in the spirit talking in tongues is of course the most obvious sign that we are praying in the spirit but it's not the only only one sometimes the bible says that we pray and we groan in the spirit it, it describes it as groanings that cannot be uttered sometimes we are in touch with god and we have no idea what to say and we just make some noise we just cry out to god god understands that language god knows exactly 
exactly what we are saying. And He responds to that. He feeds our spirit. He, com- he communes with us. He blesses us. And we draw from Him the things that we need in order to live an overcoming life. Also, go to church. <laughs> what do we say, Sister Ken? I was born on Saturday and... In church on Sunday, and I guarantee I was never late. That's right. My mama said, you, you go to church. You go to church. And I, okay, we got to go to church. Well, what if I, what if I got a, what if I got a, she said, well, if you got a fever or you're sick to your stomach, then maybe you could stay home. But if I had a fever, well, we need to take you to church, let them pray for you. That's what we need to do. And if I got sick, you know, she, you know, and you know, threw up, it's, don't you feel better now we go, can go to church? Okay, so that was, that was mom's philosophy on, on church. And I understand that we genuinely get sick sometimes, and we don't want to spread it. So I'm, I'm saying this kind of in jest. But, uh, but the truth is, uh, go to church. Go to church. Go to church. And after that, go to church. Hebrews 10.25. Some people say that going to church is not in the Bible. I'm sorry, but it is. Hebrews uh, 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of, of some is. In other words, the way that some people gather together, don't forsake that. But exhorting one another. What do we do at church? We exhort one another. We encourage one another. We help one another. We have to have that. And so much more as you see the day approaching. At church, we are, a lot of things happen at church. We're fed. We are fed the Word of God. We gain insight. There are some times, and I still listen to my pastor preach, and he'll say something, I thought, whoa, I never thought of that. You ever have one of those moments? It's like, I never saw that. You're reading the Scripture. I've read that before, but he just says something about it. That's right. It was there. I see that. That's what we need in order to live this overcoming life. So we must be fed the Word of God. Also, we fellowship. Introverts, I love you. <laughs> and, I'm, and I pick on introverts a lot. And God made introverts, and He, he did it on purpose. And, and uh, I know it can be exhausting to go from, from, for people to shake your hand. This person, shake your hand. This person, shake your hand. And you're thinking, I love you. God bless you. I'm going to go home. It's pretty soon now, but but at the same time, we still understand that it's true that we need each other. We genuinely need each other. We need to be accountable to each other because what happens to, and I, and I see this so often, if someone uh, is no longer uh, attending church, they are more... They're more relaxed in what they will allow themselves to do and, and the things they will expose themselves to. So when we come to church, we find ourselves becoming accountable to each other, also becoming accountable to our pastor. And if there's one piece of advice, I, could, I give this to young ministers, but if I could give to all of us, it's be accountable to our pastor. And sometimes people say when someone goes to jail, that means they're being accountable for their crime. Actually, accountability comes in before the crime is committed. Accountability is in place to prevent us from doing certain things because we can say within ourselves, I know that if I do this thing, I'm going to have to answer for it. Therefore, I won't do it. Now, obviously, we don't get caught for everything that we do. Can I get a hallelujah? (laughs) That's, That's just how it is. But at the same time, we still feel that accountability. Also, fasting. There are many ways to fast. There are lots of scriptures on fast that we could certainly teach a series of, of lessons on fasting. But fasting is, is very important. 
uh, there was a preacher once who he said I, he was new in the church. And when, when he was new in the church, he said, I love fasting. It's one of the best things that I have ever done. I do it every single day. And a friend of his said, what do you mean every single day? How do you survive? He said, well, I, I just do. You know, whenever I'm praying, I'm talking as fast as I can, and I'm talking to God. And so there was a, a little bit of a, a disconnect between that. The, the person he, he said that to actually fell out of his chair. He said, no, that's not what fasting is. And fasting is also not, I haven't been able to get to my lunch until 3 o'clock today. I'll just count that as a fast. That's not fasting, okay? But fasting is simply intentionally giving up something, food generally, for a period of time. Now, it's, it's, it's challenging to go until from, you know, maybe sunset until, say, supper time the next day to fast. Well, do, do this. Fast until 3 o'clock one day. See how that goes. Drink a lot of water. And, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you get caffeine headaches, you can fast the coffee, take a caffeine pill if you need to or, or whatever you need, and go, go until 3 o'clock. And at 3 o'clock, say, okay, I've, I've done a little bit of fasting here. I've progressed a little bit. Maybe I can go another half hour. Maybe I can go another hour. Here's what's going to happen physically. Your stomach's going to begin to shrink. Your stomach will begin to tighten because it is, it is an elastic organ. And the more often that we do this, the smaller our stomach actually gets. And we will get full sooner and we can actually go longer without food. Now, here's another way to fast. We can put down our phone for a couple of days. I love my crosswords. I love my uh, Yahtzee. Okay? I, I love my uh, words with friends or whatever, whatever it's called. And uh, what do we do? We just, just kind of pick that up. I'll play a couple rounds and I'll do this. Well, when we say no flesh, you can't have this thing that you want. It's not a bad thing. But we say, no, you can't have that for a day, for two days. We are, our spirit is telling our flesh, you can't have me. You can't have everything that you want to have. We're training our spirit. We're also training our mind that it's okay to go without. We are becoming accustomed to going without certain things. Also, talking to someone about the thing you're struggling with. James 5.17, confess your faults one to another. Now notice it does not say confess your faults one to another and another, and another, and it does not say that, okay? We don't have to go from person to person and say, you know, uh, you know brother, uh, brother Stephen, I've got a problem. I've been, I've been stealing chickens from my neighbor. I want you to help me pray about that. Sister, I, I, I've been stealing chickens from my neighbor. Please help me pray about that. We don't have to go to everybody and talk about these things, okay? We, we, we don't have to. Now, some things are obviously more private. Now, I, you know, I could go to uh, a, a Brother Adam and, and say, Brother, I'm, I'm having some trouble. I need you to help me pray about this. I'm, I'm struggling with something. Uh, and and he, he says, of course, I'll help you pray about it. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you about that. Other times it may be very, very personal, and he may not want to know that I'm stealing chickens from my neighbor, okay? He, he may wish he didn't have that information. But in those circumstances, we can go to our pastor. I know it's very intimidating, very daunting sometimes to go to our pastor and say, Pastor, I've been having a problem with X, Y, Z. I've been having a problem with this. Because a lot of times we feel he may be disappointed in us or maybe he if we're on the platform is he going to sit me down is he going to just punish me I can guarantee you this it will always go better than you think it will it'll always go better than you think you will because you have a pastor 
and every pastor, pastor worth, worth his salt will not hurt you with the information that you give them. He will be honest with you. He will help you. He will say, okay, let's form a plan. We're going to pray about this. We're going to do this. But just the fact that we confess something to someone close, that also makes us accountable. And we actually gain strength to overcome this thing because now we're not facing it alone. We've got someone in our corner. Now, I know that, and I won't get, I won't get specific. I'll, I'll, I'll be polite here, but I know that sometimes with, with ladies, you may not feel comfortable talking to pastor about certain things. Well, we have a pastor's wife that we can cert- that you could share many things with. And, and I know that things get, get, get messy sometimes. It gets personal sometimes. Uh, since my time here, I, I've, I've gone to him Let's just say more than once about something. We'll say more than once. Okay, that's, that's accurate enough. Uh, about something to say, I'm having a problem with this, and I need you to help me pray about it. And that alone, just even just that one thing, I gained a lot of strength from that. I gained his confidence. I gained his encouragement. I gained his prayers. And there is so much that we, that we can get from that. Another thing we can do, we can depart from the things that trigger our temptation. Now, years ago, my former pastor, Dr. Patterson, he used, to, uh, he used to ride horses with some friends of his. Now, I'm not going to preach against horseback riding because I, I don't want anybody to throw anything at me. Um, but with him, you know, horseback riding, it was, wasn't just so much that as it was the people that he associated with. And after the Lord saved him, he went horseback riding again, and he knew right then that I cannot do this with with these men again because I have gathered myself with them the things that they talk about the things that they do just the fact that riding a horse for him was uh, emotionally associated with some of the things that he used to do he decided to separate himself from that he decided to take a long step away from that, even if it wasn't riding horses with them, just the act of riding a horse sometimes would kind of trigger some of those old emotional responses. Obviously, that's not the case with everybody, okay? There are some things that we did before we knew the Lord that we still do to this day, and that's absolutely fine. However, if there is something that we are involved in, if there is a person that we are associating with that leads us into the same temptation that causes us to fall into the same things, then that is our cue to change something. Now, I will acknowledge the fact that whenever we have to say goodbye to certain friends in the way that we have known them before, that is a loss, and that is a sad thing. And I guarantee you, my heart goes out to you. I would, I would, never, I would never say, oh, pish posh you know forget about them you don't need them no they were important to you those friends were your friends those friends cared about you but those friends are still involved in some things that we cannot still be involved in they they go certain places they talk about certain things there are these these triggers that we have that lead us back to the thing and we separate that now i know we have to mourn that loss but i can promise you this god will never Ask you to give up something that he will not replace with something better. 
You can still love those people. You can still talk to them from time to time. Invite them to church. If you still want to be their friend, bring them here and help them get the same experience you had. And you can have a friendship with them like you have not had before. But even if that happens, I understand that that, is, that can be very difficult, that kind of change. Other changes that we go through are, are difficult. But what, is, what did Jesus say in, in Matthew 18 and 9? He put it very very straightforward. He said, if thy right eye offends thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is more for, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Even if it seems as severe as losing a body part, do it because there is nothing. There is nothing that we have in us, out of us, in our lives that is worth losing our soul. And there is nothing that we can have that is worth continuing to, to struggle over. Absolutely nothing. So these are the practical things that we can do that God's Word has instructed us to do in order to win the struggle. God does not want you to struggle with the same thing for the rest of your life. Now, I understand that some people do struggle with the same thing, for their entire lives. And I will not judge them for that. They, they, they're faithful to church. They, they may not get past a certain thing. And, and well, you know, we ask, well, what is God going to do with them? Well, He's going to do the same thing He does with everybody. He's going to do what's right. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to be in heaven that wasn't supposed to be there. And nobody's going to miss heaven that, that is supposed to be there. So uh, understand that, that there are different levels of struggle. And not everybody does it in the, in the same way. And, I, I, you know, I, I, I know some of the faults that, I've, that I had for many, many years, things that I did that, that I really even didn't realize it was, it was such a fault until years later. And then, after I had been doing this thing for a long time, I thought, well, this thing, this attitude uh, thing of mine, I've got to change that. And it very slowly changed over the years. And so, you know, our struggles, the things that we change about ourselves, it, 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 it comes, it goes, and we, sometimes we don't realize what we need to struggle against, and we don't always understand the problems that we have and that's part of like I said going to church being accountable and also reading God's word daily I have my Bible the Bible that my father presented to me many years ago it's it's sitting right next to my recliner my my good old recliner it's it's nice and worn and it's my it's my throne every single day and I've got a Bible sitting right next to it well my phone sits there also and you know of course if I think what is the average rainfall in Spain this time of year? Hang on, see what is the average rainfall? Oh, oh, really? Okay, who was that actor that did? Okay, it was that's right, and he was okay. Got it. How how tall is Matthew McConaughey? You know the you know just whatever comes to our mind. Now we can just tap tap tap. Well, what if we have our Bible right next to us and think I'm having a little trouble with something? I wonder what I can what I can do with this. And we open it up and okay, all right. Go to the concordance temptation. Okay. All right, that's good. What if we treated our Bible the same way that we treat our phones sometimes? I don't mean that in a condemning way, but that's a habit that I've tried to get myself into. Not just, I mean, not just having time to read every day, and, and we do that. We, we need to read until God's Word speaks to us, but whenever we have a thought, whenever we think, what do I need to do about such and such? Open your Bible. You will be amazed sometimes when you think, I need something from God right now. I don't know what I need. Open up that Word of God and, and just start reading something. Open up to something else. And I promise you, within a few minutes, you're going to receive something that you need. And if we take these steps, we can walk in the Spirit. 
we can. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be a different person just floating on a cloud and every time somebody comes to us, you know, we're just, we're just as spiritual as can be and, just, you know, just, just floating two feet above it. No, it's, it's not like we're still going to be us, okay? We're still going to be, I'm still going to be me. You're still going to be you. But we can overcome these things if we take deliberate, intentional steps. However, not taking these steps can lead to our becoming lukewarm. If we never do anything about our struggle, if we just hope, okay, I'll resist it this time, I resisted it this time, good. Well, I didn't resist it the next time. Uh, this uh, other time, and we just go back and forth, and we say, well, I hope it'll just go away on its own. It, it, it'll just, it'll just it correct itself, and, and, it, and it never does, and because we're not taking these certain steps, whenever that happens, we just become lukewarm. And what does that lead to? A lot of times it leads to self-condemnation because the, the longer we struggle with a particular thing, the more we deal with it, our attitude begins to change. Our, our mindset begins to change and we begin to think a little bit differently. We get discouraged more easily and we become more lackadaisical with our walk with God and we, we just start to lose touch with the things of the Spirit. So the only way that we are going to win this war is to do the things that it takes to fight. As long as we are in this life, we will always struggle with something. Actions, thoughts, emotions, attitudes. There will always be two trees for us to choose from. Always. We can either choose to eat from the tree of life, or we can choose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We will never get it all right. We will never be perfect. I don't care how wonderful and amazing some, some people we know are, they never get it all right. I know that because I never get it all right, and we are people, and I are a people too. The fact that, and this, this may sound discouraging when I say that we will always struggle, yet somehow, in this very universal truth, we can find hope. The fact that we are struggling means that we are still in the fight. And as long as we are still in the fight, we are on our way to glory. So no matter how many times I mess up, no matter how many times I lose my temper, no matter how many times I just think, man... My neighbor's chicken looks so good, i got to have it to myself. No matter how many times all these things happen, I will keep fighting. I will keep struggling. I will keep moving forward. I will talk to pastor. I will come to him. And, he, and I, sometimes I wonder what he thinks. Really? What, what is it now? You ever, get, you ever worry that? Okay, what is it now that he's dealing with? Well, maybe, I, hope that, I hope he's got people he goes to, too. I'm just saying. It, it, I, as far as I know, he's perfect and, and, and wonderful, too. But... But, uh, but, but we all will struggle. We all will do those things. It will keep going, but I will keep going to church. I will keep reading God's Word. I will keep praying. I will keep worshiping. I will keep fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters. I will keep seeking encouragement. I will keep giving encouragement. I will keep taking these very deliberate and practical steps in order to win the struggle because it may look hopeless now. You may look at yourself and think, well, am I ever really going to change? Am I ever really going to change? If you do what the Word of God says, 
in order to overcome, then the answer is absolutely not. You will be amazed. You will surprise yourself. You will see things in you that you never thought were there. If we do what God's Word says to do, we will overcome the struggle.